I'm Isaac Suleiman with Suleiman Farms in Sullivan City, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. So glad to be back with you for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, a Texan will now lead the American Farm Bureau's Young Farmer and Rancher Committee. In fact, it's the first Texan in history to do so. We'll have that story coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Carrie Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The mood among Texas High Plains farmers is described as optimistic even though they're currently up against some real challenges, including a worsening drought. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. As dry conditions continue in West Texas, tillage preparations are becoming more of a challenge than normal for farmers. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. January is Junior Livestock Show time here in the Lower Coastal Bend. This is Harvey Buring reporting from the Corpus Christi area. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. A Texan will spend the next year leading the American Farm Bureau's Young Farmer and Rancher Committee. Alicia Schwartner of Miles, Texas, just outside of San Angelo, was elected chair of that committee at the recent American Farm Bureau convention in Atlanta. She says it's an honor to be elected to chair the nationwide group of young farmers. Yeah, it's still kind of sinking in a little bit. Um, the last few days have been a whirlwind, but it's it's awesome. It's it's such a, a once in a lifetime opportunity and um, something that's so humbling and something that I'm honored to have been elected uh, by our committee to do um, to represent them to the the national board and um, to to the entire United States. And so it, it's it's just really cool. It feels really good um, that they trusted me enough to elect me to to do so. Texas Farm Bureau President Russell Baining says Schwartner is the first Texan ever chosen for that position. Oh, I, th- I think it's great. I think it's uh, it's awesome, uh, you know. And as far as we know, uh, there's there's been no other uh, national wife in our chair from the state of Texas. And uh, you know, I served on the wife in our com- committee a few years ago at the state level. And uh, uh, Alicia Schwartner is going to do a great job. I mean, we're, we're so proud that uh, uh, she's been named the national wife in our chair for the next year. And I really look forward to uh, her input. You know, she gets to sit in uh, and she's actually a member of the AFB Board of Directors for that year. Uh, so I really look forward to, to having that and for her and for the state of Texas. Schwartner will serve in the position for one year. With both cattle prices and input costs rising, keeping good records is more important now than ever. 
Marion Wine and her husband run Wine Feeders, a 900-head preconditioning yard outside of Corpus Christi. She says they've gotten away from pen and paper and spreadsheet records and are now using their performance beef software. It really took all of the hard work, of the labor-intensive side of keeping track of cattle and their health and even how many times one calf may have been doctored, and it put it all right in your hands. So instead of having to transfer ear tags out of a notepad onto a, a whiteboard and then get that into an Excel spreadsheet, you literally can access everything from the palm of your hand. And, I mean, it even overflows into your break-evens, your gains, your feed costs, um, in addition to your animal health. You have everything that this industry thrives off of and that you need to make money off of right in your hand. If you'd like more information on the Performance Beef software, check out their website at performancelivestockanalytics.com. Texas High Plains farmers are facing some serious challenges right now, including a worsening drought. But James Hunt tells us many farmers are still optimistic about the upcoming growing season. Here's what Moore County Extension agent Marcel Fischbacher had to say when I asked for his impression of how local farmers are feeling. I guess, surprisingly, I think most of the producers are pretty optimistic. I think they have a pretty good mood. I think that's kind of driven by the higher commodity prices. That mean there are several different decisions they can make, and they all look profitable. As far as on paper, they look like this could be a great year. It could indeed turn out to be a great year, but among the things that are not so great right now are, of course, the high price of fertilizers and other inputs, and Fischbacher says the deepening drought across the region is a major concern. Even the guys with irrigation, most of them don't have that super great irrigation where they can just catch that soil up and other things. So I've seen more winter irrigation than normal. There's a few sprinklers going right now, and a lot of times they uh, don't like to run this time of year just because of some of the really cold nights, but we've been pretty mild for the most part, had a few really cold days, but for the most part, it's been a mild winter, which also adds to the uh, problem with drying out the soil. We've also had more wind and probably more moisture losses than normal. So uh, those two things have worked a little bit against most of the farmers. Fischbacher says the pressures farmers are experiencing from the lack of moisture helped inspire topics such as how to minimize evaporative water losses and selecting varieties based on water availability, which are on the agenda for the Northwest Panhandle Ag Conference. The conference is being presented by Texas A&M AgriLife Thursday, January 20th at the Moore County Community Building in Dumas. The conference begins at 8.30 a.m. and will also include a discussion of the potential for soybeans, among other topics. Contact the Moore County Extension Office for more information. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. As dry conditions continue in West Texas, field preparation there is becoming more of a challenge. Tom Nicoletti visits with a Lubbock area farmer about the situation. In West Texas, the dry conditions continue into the new year. We catch up with Eddie Griffiths reporting from Lubbock. And Eddie, besides the fact that uh, farmers and ranchers need more uh, moisture, precipitation in form of rainfall or snowfall, how's the feeding of livestock going at this time in January? Well, fortunately, you know, we had some hay bale this summer, Tom, and able to utilize it at this time. But you well know it, it, it can get in short supply really quick. We received a little moisture about a week or so ago, but it was short-lived and it wasn't just a whole lot. For the producers that are trying to get tillage preparations done out there for spring planting, 
it's uh, making it a little bit difficult just simply because we did have the really good crop and that took a lot of moisture and trying to get the ground worked up on a conventional basis. They're looking to the sky for some more rainfall or snow or something to try to get this ground worked up for spring planting. The minimal till guys are still putting in cover crops out there try to keep it from blowing, but having a hard time trying to get it established at this point and get it growing. How does the winter wheat crop look at this point, Eddie? Pretty spotty. Irrigated, of course, it, it looks all right. But as far as dryland is concerned, it was just a matter of timing. If you got it planted at the right time, it, it's surviving, probably will survive. They're going to need some rain on it pretty soon. And we, we've had cold temperatures And that's made it difficult for the growth of that crop and the establishment. That is Eddie Griffiths reporting for us today from West Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. January is Junior Livestock Show time. Harvey Buring has an update from the Texas Coastal Bend. The 87th Annual Nueces County Junior Livestock Show has been taking place with events since the 2nd of January, and that big show continues on with a wrap-up on Saturday evening uh, this week with the big blue ribbon sale of animal projects. This year, there were over a 1,000 young people, 4-H and FFA members, FCLA members as well, involved in the show, and there were some 3,600 different projects exhibited. This year's event, of course, began with that big horse show on January the 2nd. That was followed by a commercial heifer show taking place on Friday of that week, and uh, the heifer show continues to grow. January 7th uh, was the fourth year of that show, and some 32 pins of heifers were offered for auction sale last Thursday evening. Now, the homemaking show is going full swing again after a little hiatus due to COVID last year, and that show will have over 3,500 projects entered in it this year, as well as our shop project division with livestock projects, both market and breeding animals. There's some 800 involved in this year's show and proves to be another successful event taking place here in Robstown at the fairgrounds. And then the the following week, or the final week of January, things shift over to San Patricio and Aransas counties. They'll be having their big agriculture and homemaking show there at the fairgrounds in Sinton, taking place January 24th through the 29th. And we certainly encourage all of you as a event for 4-H and FFA youngsters come to your particular county to go out and support these young people and thank them for all their efforts in preparing these projects. This is Harvey Buring reporting from the Corpus Christi area for Texas Ag Today. A disease caused by a fungus threatens Texas bats. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And strangles is an upper respiratory disease in horses that can cause major issues. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? 
We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-size weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Strangles is an upper respiratory disease in horses that can cause major issues. Dr. Bob Judd says it's very common and very contagious. Strangles is not an uncommon disease in Texas. The disease is transmitted from horse to horse by exposure to respiratory secretions, either directly from the horse or exposure to inanimate objects that may have been exposed to the infected horse, like water buckets or halters. It is called strangles because it causes enlargement of lymph nodes in the throat, and although it is rare for a horse to actually strangle, some can have a difficult time breathing. The disease causes yellowish nasal discharge and lymph nodes that usually abscess and rupture, draining large amounts of yellow discharge that is infectious. Horse Magazine indicates the disease was first reported in the 13th century and was believed to be common in all horses. In the 19th century, Napoleon used only cavalry horses that had survived the disease, as he knew they would not get infected again and would be available for battle. Even 40 years ago when I was in school, it was believed most horses will get the disease and recover, and there was no effective prevention. Most horses do have some immunity after infection, but some horses also become carriers of the disease, possible for the rest of their lives if not treated. For this reason, it's always important to quarantine any new horses that enter your property. However, the only method to ensure the horses are not carrying the disease is to perform a lavage of the upper respiratory tract and test for the strep bacteria that causes the disease. Although some question the efficacy of the vaccines, vaccines are available, and we usually recommend vaccinating horses that will be exposed to other horses at shows or other events. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A disease caused by a fungus threatens Texas bats. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. The Lone Star State is home to more than two dozen species of bats, which help to control the insect population. But a disease threatens those bats and has already killed millions across the United States. It is called White Nose Syndrome. Jonah Evans, leader of the non-game and rare species program at the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, joins us with more. White nose syndrome is a disease in bats caused by a fungus that grows on your skin that passes through contact or through the substrate. So just like something like athlete's foot where you don't have to rub feet with another person to get it, you might use the same shower that someone else used at a gym or something and, and you could get something like that. It's a fungus that can grow on the ceilings or on the walls of a cave. A bat can fly in and rub against the fungus and pick it up that way or through bat-to-bat contact. White nose syndrome does not affect all bats. It affects hibernating bats. While a bat is hibernating, the fungus will begin growing on their skin. And when they hibernate, their heartbeat slows way down, their immune systems kind of goes pretty dormant. As the fungus begins to grow on their skin, it can kind of like eat away at the tissue and become painful or itchy or something. And bats will continue to wake up to preen and then they'll try to go back into hibernation. It might happen again and again. And the thing is, some of these bats might weigh six grams. They're very light and they have very few calories 
batteries stored up that they need to somehow make last through the whole winter. Bats with white nose syndrome end up using all of their energy to combat the disease and start starving or dehydrating. They end up needing to leave the cave in the winter and will end up dying outside. We'll have more on this, including what Texans can do, on our next show. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. We did not have any market trade in our agricultural markets on Monday because of the MLK holiday, so we'll take a quick look back at how things wrapped up on Friday. We'll check all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. As a farmer or rancher, you know life in agriculture is often stressful. Things like the economy, finances, weather, and even a pandemic increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. With a demanding workload, it seems that there isn't room for the soft stuff, like talking about feelings. Yet, talking about the hard times can be one of the best ways to manage this stress. Although we can't always control or choose our circumstances, we can control and choose how we respond to them. Sometimes that response looks like asking for help. Some would say the best quality of a farmer or rancher is their independent spirit. But what is agriculture without its community? A force of helpers, neighbors, extension, Farm Bureau members, friends, counselors, and pastors. We are stronger together. Find someone you can talk to. Find the help you need. The Southwest Ag Center is working with the Texas Department of Agriculture to identify stress assistance and resources. Visit swagcenter.org stress to learn more. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw a mixed close in the cattle complex on Friday. We wrapped up the week with a higher close in the live cattle market, lower close on the feeder market. We'll start with live cattle, where February was up 97 cents, 137.97. April up $1.15, 142.12. June live cattle up 77 cents, 137.62. The feeder market feeling some pressure coming from a higher close in the corn market on Friday. January feeders down 22 cents, 162.70. March down 35 at 166.37. The April down 12 at 170.35. Cash fed cattle trade last week saw most of our sales in the 136 to 137 range. That is steady to $2 lower compared to the previous week. Boxed beef prices higher on Friday. Choice up $1.92 at $284.78. Select was up $0.48, cents, $273.24. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Klein Spear and his brother Justin are the owners and operators of Southwest Livestock Uvalde. They have a cattle sale on Thursday. Klein, how was it? Went well. We had 777 head today overall. A really good active market. Those Packer cows I thought were a couple of dollars better this week again. Those bulls are pretty steady. The calves and yearlings I thought were three to four dollars better, especially on some of those good work calves we had again this week. So uh, 
overall lots of demand really good those number one choice steers dollar 30 to dollar 65 those lightweights dollar 60 to a dollar 95 number one choice heifers dollar 10 to dollar 55 and the lightweights a dollar 40 to a dollar 70 crossbred steers a dollar 30 to a dollar 55 and the lightweights a dollar 40 to a dollar 80 crossbred heifers a dollar five to a dollar 35 lightweights a dollar 25 to a dollar 55 good stocker cows 75 to a dollar Packer bulls, 84 to 92. Those good kind of breaker cows were 60 to 74, and those cutters and canners were 50 to 60. Good shelly cows were 25 to 35. Some really nice pairs today, brought up 1350. Some planer pairs, 750 to 950. And good bread cows today, 750 to 950. So overall, a, a nice run this week. Good. Now, tell everybody how to get a hold of you for sheep and goats this next uh, Tuesday and cattle on Thursday. Call us at the office, 830-278-5621, or my cell phone, 830-591-3241. We appreciate you, Klein. Thank you. Thank you, Larry. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble in deep south Texas, reporting for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs close sharply higher Friday. February hogs up 305 to end at 80.90. April hogs up 312 at 88.45. Class 3 milk was slightly lower. January milk down 4 cents at 20, 28, 100. February milk down 3 at 22.17, 100. The cotton market continued its climb higher following Wednesday's very bullish USDA crop production and supply and demand report. USDA lowered the 2021 crop and ending stocks in that report, and we've seen some very positive developments in the market as a result. March cotton up 286 points on Friday, 119.70. October cotton up 111 points at 102.73 while December is up 115 to close the week at 96.83 cents. We mentioned earlier that strong close in the corn market. That comes despite the fact that USDA's crop production and supply and demand report on Wednesday was actually very bearish for the corn market. We saw prices tumble both Wednesday and Thursday. However, Friday, we ended up with a strong close. March corn up eight and three quarters, 596 and a quarter. New crop September corn up one and three quarters, 569. The USDA report also bearish for the wheat market. We ended up closing lower on Friday with July Kansas City wheat down 13 cents, 751 and three quarters. July Chicago wheat down five and a quarter at 737 and a quarter. In the energy markets Friday, February natural gas was down two cents, 424. February crude oil up a dollar 78. 83.90 a barrel. The financial markets were lower on Friday afternoon. The Dow down 339 points, 35,774. The Nasdaq down a point at 14,806. The S&P down 17 points, 4,641. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. 
Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.